DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Spore druids, afraid that people are going to mistake your noxious fumes for noxious farts? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun, dun. Season two! Welcome back! Yay, everyone! Welcome back to season two! Did you think think we'd get here? (sighs) The silence speaks volumes. I did. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I I didn't. (laughs) Really? Oh, no. When you first asked me to do this, I was like, this will be a fun thing to do. And then he'll realize that I don't know anything I'm talking about. I'm terrible at podcasting and it'll be a fun three episodes. But here we well, are. I was right about two things. I feel. Oh, wow. <laughs> Direct <I'm> hit. <laughs> Fatality. Oh, you know I'm kidding. Anna Banana, how are you? Joey! Uh, hey, this feels so good to I be know. Back. I know. I was excited about it all day. I think I must have messaged you about this like 15 times today to be like, what are we doing after this? What are we doing this? What are we doing this? What is this? But here we are. We're here. We are back. Season two, baby. Woo, woo. Okay. So we had our live show in, yes. in was it late July? Yes. Um, because we got uh, up to 500 August. followers. We're almost yes. at 600. And um, I have been working on chapter two. So. Oh, my God. Rumspringa. Yes. Rumspringa. That story ain't going anywhere. I mean, I am going to use Twitter followers to complete that novel. Oh, if it I takes you meant- me. Oh, yeah. As in like not going anywhere plot wise. <laughs> I realized that after I said it, I was like, wait, I should probably clarify what I mean by that. I mean, both. as you in mean it's both. not going away. <laughs> right. Right. It's here Good. to stay. I'm so excited. I can't wait to do Russian accents for chapter two. Yes. Um, um, but our live show was so much fun. Oh, it was so fun. It was fantastic. We, I loved that we got to bring all of our like favorite guest stars yeah. together. And they got to hop on and say hi. And yeah, that was a really good show. I Absolutely. And I think great. we're... We're even going to do our outdo ourselves this year in terms of guests. We won't mention anyone specifically. But yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, we're listen a list. That's all I'm going to say. A list. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'll leak one. Cher is going to be on. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Mariah Carey. <laughs> no, she doesn't play D and D. Cher. Okay. Does um, Cher play D and D? No. Oh. I imagine that would have been a really fun like little tabloid thing to know. <laughs> I bet you she plays like a a chronergy wizard and she's like, I'm going to turn back down. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so how was the rest of your summer, Joey? Oh, my summer. Listen, basement's finished. Basement's, Woo! yeah, well, we have, we have played down there. It's amazing. The lights change color. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Still waiting on putting up some a few more lights, getting a few more things finished, but like... It's usable space. 
Um, so happy to have that space down there now. So it's it was been good. You know, it's been a quiet end to the summer. I think with everything going on, it's just been a whirlwind after whirlwind after whirlwind. And so many whirlwinds. Yeah, Multiple no pun whirlwinds. intended for all yeah. the hurricane victims ouch. out there. Um, well, well, I didn't say I didn't say ouch like you know flippantly <laughs> like you did. But <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Here we go. We're starting off strong. Um, no, but for real. Hopefully, everyone stays safe. And yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I so I've just been. Kind of keeping to myself, kind of getting a little bit back into, okay, I'm going to limit my social circle um, and just trying to be safe and get ready for my booster shot because I want it. Give it yes. to me. Give me all the shots. I mean, I really thought we would be in a different place by the time we rolled around to season two. Like Paris. Yeah, if only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I'm definitely disappointed with where we are, but I just want everybody to stay safe. Please, please, please go get vaccinated if you haven't already. I have no idea what would be holding you back, but do it. Do um, it. But but the rest of my summer was actually very exciting, and you were present for so many of those exciting moments, and I wanted to I talk was. about a couple of those. Oh my God, let's do it. Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, the most exciting, most thrilling moment of my summer was we, Joe and I played level 15 characters for Clint in a one shot in his beautiful basement, which that was really, really fun to get to be together and play down there. And I played a paladin and I had like the most amazing hit of my insane. life. It, it was, was fucking insanity. First of all, Clint was kind enough to let me hold an action. Um, so... And when like there was like a firewall up around the creature that we were trying to hit and I knew somebody else was going to like cast a spell magic or something to bring down the firewall. I think that was you, wasn't it? Did I do that? I think I so. I don't know. But anyway, I held the action. The firewall went down. There was like a huge, was it a beholder? I can't remember. No, what. it was just this. It was the, it was basically a god. It was like the god of the underworld that we were fighting. It was enormous. Yes. Um, yeah. And I leapt oh, oh, wait, in. No, wait, no, no, no. Oh, not oh, the a different creature. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't a beholder. It was some sort of like mound thing with lots of tentacles. Like a gatekeeper and, to the underworld of some kind and it had tentacles yeah. and it was huge. And I leapt into the like crevasse or whatever he was in. And I hit it and I used a bunch of Divine Smite, like just a lot of Divine Smite. And because it was a fiend, I got an extra bonus to my Divine Smite and my <laughs> my ultimate damage. And then you crit on top yes, of it. Yes. Yeah. Not only did I crit. Okay, I had advantage. And so my first roll was a 19. And I hadn't rolled the second one. Oh my and God. I had turned to... Uh, Phil, who was sitting next to me, and I was like, Joe always says, roll twice in case you crit. Because I was like, okay, like a 19 right. and a 20 in what world? And then I right. rolled the second one, and it's a 20, which I was like freaking out about. So I used just I remember like, just, we all just screamed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I used just a ton of Divine Smite. I don't even remember what level I was rolling that thing at, but... It was. It had to have been a fourth, fourth or fifth level so. divine smite. Yeah. So you had. I think. Do you remember the total number of d8s? Oh God! It took us I, like ten minutes of math just to figure right. it out. 
I think it was like twelve d eight yeah, because like your like weapon that. was your weapon was two d eight, and, and at then that level I get like an auto d eight or something right. that I got to mm-hmm. double. By the, but at the end of the day, the total damage on that was ninety seven points of damage in a single hit. In a single hit. And now I just want all of my characters to live long enough to make it to level 15 because <laughs> damn. And then I yeah. killed it with that one hit. So it was amazing. It felt spectacular. I I just, I'm going to remember that moment forever. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of moments, I'm going to remember forever. <laughs> in our, in our Gydra 2 campaign, this was the other highlight of our summer games. Joe was kind enough to arrange <laughs> because I'm a wackadoo person that loves the role-playing aspect. You're of not wackadoo. Things. You're amazing. And that's why it was so fun. <laughs> he arranged a midnight wedding for my character <laughs> in Gydra 2. And I was the only one that knew it was happening. And I got to surprise all of my other uh, PCs with it. And like my character like wakes them up in the middle of the night to go to the chapel and watch me get married to this NPC that was my fiance, my betrothed since the beginning. And it was just beautiful and spectacular. And it was so, so much fun to role play. So and you I didn't mean, know that I was going to make you like read vows. Yeah, I, I definitely did not. I thought I was going to yeah. have to stand there and look pretty like every other bride, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I t- I definitely got pwned on the on the vows. Um Joe had just prepared like these beautiful touching vows and I was like Oh, that was all off the top of my head. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> but it was just so much fun. Uh and now I can't wait to to play that campaign again. <laughs> I know that was seriously like, I mean, we could do a whole episode in this, like maybe like we'll do a discussion segment sometime on like um, how, to, how to handle like really emotional moments in game. Mm-hmm. But like that was to the having the privilege of marrying one of like marrying my <laughs> PC to an NPC was like, I mean, the only thing that could have made it better is, is if it was two PCs, but like having just having that and and you giving me that little like egg that little beautiful egg was just <laughs> t- to do what I wanted with was just so amazing and it was beautiful and wonderful and then the next morning you guys proceeded to harass and this did. poor gnome who was just trying to leave my favorite uh, part of that was that okay like I knew that the wedding was coming and so at least I was like a little bit prepared for what was going on but our other folks in the campaign had no idea that I was pulling that and that you had organized that, but they were so into it. They were yeah. like, Yurkin's like, oh, am I the one walking you down the aisle? <laughs> and Kaz is just like, and that's Jojo playing Kaz. Mm-hmm. Um, our other Joe was just like, totally. Yep. I'm the best man. I'm going to make you a flower crown. Here we go. I'm going to find you a wedding gift. They were all just so immediately just like into it. And I mm-hmm. loved that so much. I, yeah. I just love that campaign. I love the folks we play with. In all of our campaigns, they're all so good. And they're just all so, they're all so improv minded. Yes. And yeah, we're yep. doing a wedding. Cool. What now? Yep. <laughs> and that's the, that's the best you can hope for with players is yes. And. So I, oh, those are two amazing moments. I just had one of my highlights of the summer the other day. Mm-hmm. 
yesterday, actually. I got a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first one, and, and it's, it's an a D tattoo. tattoo. Well, I should say it's like a it's like a tabletop game tattoo. It's the dice, the six shapes of dice that come in a set of polyhedral dice, and I love it so much, and I keep scratching it because it's itchy, even though I'm not supposed to. But um, I don't know. I just it means so much to me, and I and I was thinking of like. I've been thinking for a very long time. I've always wanted to get a tattoo. What would I get? And I just never had something good enough to get. And I've been thinking on this one for like over a year. Like I've had the idea for this well over a year. And um, I remember I, I was just sort of thinking about it. Like, why does this so meaningful to me? And I'm like, well, I think like just TTRPG games just have brought out the best and like, in, in me and everything that that I've done and have really enhanced my life so much. And I thought that the whole concept of like, you know, sometimes you roll low, sometimes you roll high, sometimes you roll with great dice, sometimes you roll with not great dice, but no matter what, the story keeps going, right? Yeah. Like, that's the whole, it just keeps on going. And all of that, it's not good or bad, it's just part of the story. And uh, you just make it work. So... I don't know. I just like, I kind of just, thank you. I've, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's kind of an afterthought, but it's, I I think it's just a really nice way to encapsulate why I think these games are so important to me. So yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like this, I mean, I owe it all to you. You're the one that brought me into this world, but (laughs) I owe so much to this game. Honestly, I'm not sure I would have figured out how to get through 2020 and 2021 oh, which is just 2020 God. p2 yep. um i i don't know how would have how i would have managed to get through this time without without this world that you've yep. built and uh you know these campaigns have not just introduced me to like the world of podcasting for one <laughs> i mean i never thought i'd have a podcast and here we are yeah um but like you introduced me to all of these new people too that you know some of them are in the legal community and i may have come across as like opposing counsel or something but (laughs) now i consider every single one of them my friend and it's it's just been such a wonderful way as an adult to make new friends that sounds really sad but you know what i mean right like it's like it's really hard to make new friends as a grown-up honestly and super hard this is just the perfect way to share an experience and honestly I can't say about anybody else that, you know, oh, I have gone into like pretend battle with these people and felt real emotion about that battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's how I feel about the folks that we play with. And I'm just so honored to be able to like keep playing this game. Yeah, so. I same 100 um, percent. And you're as much a part of making that world a reality as I am and all the worlds that we play in. And yeah, I. I went from, so after our Harry Potter game concluded, we talked about it a little bit on the live show, but um, after that, I was like, all right, you know, take a little break. I'm now DMing four campaigns, so I added two campaigns. um, Were you supposed to be taking, like, a break break? Listen, listen, I took a break. um, So I, well, I was supposed to be taking a break, and then I was like, well, I'm just going to start two more campaigns. So it's using the... uh, kids on brooms or kids on bikes system doing another Harry Potter game with three people who've never played any sort of role-playing games before three former co-workers and um and then doing an all drag queen game where everyone plays drag queens in space oh my and gosh it's gonna be fucking amazing <laughs> that sounds amazing I'm so excited it's called Glamazons and it's wonderful 
Did we did we talk about how the Harry Potter campaign ended at the live show? I, I feel like we were still in the middle of it when we did our live show. That's that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to? Well, that I was mean, another highlight. I, I feel like that was my third highlight of the summer because we got to fight a gigantic brain. Yeah. And um, I had fireballs and damn, I used those fireballs. You had this, you were playing a lot. <laughs> you were playing a wild magic sorcerer yes. that rolled on the wild magic table and got all your spell slots back. Yes. Which was insane. And I, in that one battle, I rolled on it twice because That's I true. also got yeah. the fine steed. And then I just like had yeah. a horse in the middle of battle <laughs> in like a basement. <laughs> Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah. But um that was so much fun and I it had a really we had a great ending to that we did. campaign. It was really beautiful. So um a lot of fun things happening this summer, but hey, listen, summer's coming to an end and raw and order starting back up, bitches. Mm-hmm. So pay attention. So should we get going? Yeah. Should Andrew's we... here to join us. Yeah. So we got it we gotta go, guys. We got you better go, girl. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna, and Associate Justice Andrew of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and stop giving all the worst storms female names, please, for the court is now sitting. Whoop, whoop. Welcome back, Andrew. Hello. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, friend. How are you, dear? I am doing good. It's just been busy, and so it's wonderful and amazing to be on here as usual. Well, we couldn't be happier to have you. I am at my optimal level of happiness because you're here, so thank I, you for that, Andrew. You know, that's what I was shooting for. I was shooting for optimal. Not too much more. Not too happy. Just no, optimal. No, no. I'm very, not euphoric very, over here. It's just a podcast. Asian. Calm down, everybody. Whoa. Let's all, uh, let's all bring, bring it down a notch. Okay. Um, I, sh- Andrew, shall we jump right into it? Because you brought us this question, okay? Mm-hmm. So yes. the court will hear only one lonely case today. And that case is not, as I thought, in Ray Force Cage. It is in Ray Cuba Force. So I just spent the last few minutes hurriedly researching this. <laughs> if a Cuba Force is activated, which prevents living material from passing the barrier, i.e. phase three, living matter can't pass through the barrier... Can a living creature from either side of the barrier push on the barrier and move it? For example, if the barrier is activated underwater, can your allies inside the cube swim and push on one side and end up actually moving the cube through water? Andrew, how did this question spring into existence? Were you crazy enough to give one of your players this object. I like how you mis- misuse the word crazy and just means stupid. Um, <laughs> I thought, hey, my players have been working really hard. You know what they deserve? Something to completely ruin my game. <laughs> yep. So yes, I thought about it for probably too short of a time with too many Uh, beers inside of me and decided (laughs) to give this to them um so i hope all those beers are in your stomach yeah (laughs) i'm sorry the way you phrase that too many beers inside of you (laughs) 
I'm so sorry. I had to. Sorry, had Anna's to mom. <laughs> Ask your daughter what that, Listen, what we mean by we've, this. We've finally met Swati. She is she not is innocent. Amazing. No, she's not. <laughs> she's wonderful. Yeah. Um. Sorry, she leads, She reads a lot of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction, so she's with oh. it, guys. She knows. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, okay, so you gave this to your par- your players. yes, mm-hmm. um, and so I gave this to them. They've been using it every so often to get themselves out of jams. And in this situation, I wanted them to go from an island on top of a lake down into an underwater temple. And there are things inside said water, and so they had the genius idea of casting water breathing in the entire party, jumping in the water, activating cube of force. And then essentially swimming through the lake without ever being hit by anything because the cube of force was keeping all the terrible monsters outside of it. So the question became, well, <laughs> how do we move through the water uh, effectively? Can we just like push on one side and or can the things on the outside that are trying to get in just push the cube around? Um, yeah. And so that's where we ended up. So what did you let them do? Did you let them push it all the way through? Uh, They were extraordinarily clever, and we thought about it, we discussed it, and because of the wording of of Cube of Force, it centers on the person who holds the cube or pushes the button. And so what they did was, uh, in combat, they had that person swim as far as they could for their full distance, and then everyone else pushed or dragged that person further down. So then they use all their turns to just use half movement to like, like pull them underwater with them. And they just did this one after another. But here's the catch. If you pull one person through the water, the entire cube of force moves, right? So it slams everyone against the wall. And so then they, (laughs) so they're like dragged along as a ride. And then when it comes to their turn, they have to swim to the middle, grab the person, then drag them with them. All their friends get slammed (laughs) to the back. And it's just this terrible... That's hilarious. Okay, why don't we explain to our audience what Cuba Force is? It is not Force Cage, which is, I thought you were talking about the spell Force Cage, because I'm a dum dum. <laughs> and it's um, not Wall of Force either. And it's not Wall of Force. So this description is far too long to read, but basically it's a little, it's like a uh, like a fidget spinner or a, uh, what are those little it's things die. called? Right? It's like, it, right, it's like a die. It's like a six-sided a D six, but it's what are those things called? Those little stress things you press and it has all the little knobs on it. It right, reminds me of that. I know what you're talking about. I don't know yeah. what they're called. I don't know if that has a name. Yeah. Yeah, it does. A clicky uh, thing. Clicker, click, clicker die. Clicky. A yeah. clicky thing. Uh, um, yeah. uh, so it, it's one of those, it starts with 36 charges this and regains one D 20 daily at dawn. And basically you press a side of the cube and whoever presses it, a, a physical manifestation of a cube that's 15 feet, on on each side manifests centered on that person which is also um, massive yeah 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 that can fit an entire party easily um so uh so the question being can that I, oh and then each side of the dice does something different so specifically you were asking about living matter can't pass through the barrier um see now what you could have done here to, to screw your party over you could have put a lot of undead because of undead living? there, Yeah, there is that question. I, I didn't get to look at the answer, but I guess that is a relatively common question. Does undead really count as sort of living matter? 
Um, or just like creatures that throw giant boulders through the water at them. Yeah. Yeah. You could throw. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of how they were able to swim through the whole thing because it didn't necessarily exclude water. It just excluded the creatures themselves. Right. These were not the very question. smart creatures. Or creatures that can like cast spells, right? Because yeah. there's a yeah. whole different one uh-huh. for spell effects can't pass through the barrier. So yeah. why? Okay. So Anna, what's your take on this? Well, initially I was like, whoever things to do that is a friggin' genius. And <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> that was a really smart use of this thing. And I can't believe you gave this to your players. Yeah. Um, but we know that it's capable of movement, right? Because if the caster or whatever, the pusher uh, expands it, then, and if he moves or she moves, then the spell or the item tells us that it moves with that person, right? Yeah. Yep. So capable of movement, cool. I think I come to the conclusion that, yeah, you can. You can push it from the outside or the inside. I don't know if you actually have to move the cube or if you have to move the player. And That, that would be my thing. And that becomes the really important question, right? Because even just remove it from the water. Say you activate a cube of force and someone who has a million strength just rams into the side of the cube of force. Does that push you back? Does that and or does that move the cube of force at all? Honestly, I think that if you can't move the player, then the cube can't move. Okay, so then so, they just bounce yeah. off. So yeah. they're safe. So it was it was genius to to drag the player inside the cube along mm. to move the cube, as opposed to like. You know, when I first thought about this, I imagined it like, you know how at the end of Finding Nemo, when they're trying to get out of the net, they're all like, swim to the bottom! And they're like pushing down <laughs> yeah. against the net to drag the yeah. boat down. That's what I was like, this is what's happening here. <laughs> but no, it's even smarter to just drag the player down so that the player keeps moving and then the cube keeps moving with the player. Yeah, yep. that's what yeah. I think is happening. So yes, it can be moved, but only if you can move the player. I was originally hoping it would just be a hamster ball of death, essentially. Then I could just bounce the ball. I could just bounce the cube of force wherever I wanted. I was like, well, you guys are screwed now. <laughs> Turns out that that's not how the spell read. Like, that's not how the, the entire item read to me. So, yeah, I agree with you there, Anna. I think I absolutely agree. I think, I first of all, if they were... I think a smarter idea might have been rather than dragging the person because that has their speed anyway. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have... I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a hard thing to do with someone underwater. They all just could have held their action to dash when the when the person holding the cube used their movement. And that could have been the trigger. And then every round, they essentially would do that. But I guess that was that's slower uh, to do it that way. Yeah, they had they had to get from point A to point B in time. Um, the first time that they did this, uh, I think they had only cast water breathing like as just a regular like whatever level spell it is and it would pretty much just run out of all of water breathing um theoretically and so they had to rush um to the bottom like they had just enough time to get there so just one person swimming down wouldn't have made it so they just stacked all their actions to push the person i hope i hope that you had to make some constitution checks or saves for exhaustion at the end of that because (laughs) that it sounds like an exhausting task. Yeah, no, frankly. it was it was pretty terrible and kind of terrifying for them because they could at least hear, at least the way I played it, they could at least hear the things running into Ooh. the wall. Um, so they're just like in this essentially shark cage um, <laughs> as all the things were trying to get to them. 
And the cube only lasts for a minute, right? Yeah, so, so they had to keep hitting it. <laughs> <laughs> it was this because it, it was like 120 feet or something underwater, and so they had to just like keep hitting it um, based on every like every X number of rounds, and then continue to move and then drag their player continuously down. Yeah, I th- I think I'm going to say you can't move it unless the individual holding the cube and has it activated moves it. Now we should say for the listeners, if you've never heard of this item, it's a rare item um, and it can lose charges when the cube is targeted or comes into contact with certain spells like disintegrate horn of blasting pass wall, prismatic spray and wall of fire. They each do you roll a different dice to determine how many charges it uses. It loses. Um, So that's really interesting. You could have, I mean, had you known they were going to use that, you could have put a creature that had like disintegrate and just kept casting disintegrate and they would have run out of charges. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I think you have to move that person who's holding it. So if you're above ground now, here's a, here's an interesting question. If you're, if you're above ground, let's see. Okay. So non-living matter so what the side two of the cube says non-living matter can't pass through the barrier walls floors and ceilings can pass through at your discretion if you were standing on the ground and press face two would you like bump up five feet in the air and essentially be floating because it has to be centered on you but the cube can't pass through the ground right if it's not living matter i mean it's not passing through the ground if it's just sitting on the ground right I think but that's it's why it's, I think it's that's why it's written the way it's written so you don't bump up. So you can choose to essentially for it to pass through the floor under you or you can right. like choose like so that way you don't blow up like a room that's smaller than the cube of force. But question. Okay, this is something to think about for your players. Do you have to? Because theoretically, mm. could you choose not to have it be centered on that person and suddenly that person can like float across lava? Yeah. Yeah, or if they were in a uh if they're in a, in a room smaller than 15 by 15, could they yeah. activate it and just bust themselves out of the room? Like out of the str- room? Yeah. Ooh. How strong is that cube of force then? Right. Boy. That's yeah, that was another thing they I noticed that, that. It, didn't, it didn't mention like how heavy this cube was, right? Like, is it just kind of a floaty, shimmery cube that's created? Is it? It's invisible, I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like right. yeah. it's like wall of force essentially or force cage but you can change the degree to which it keeps out other things. Yeah. Um wow, what a fascinating item. This is one of those items that you give if you give it to the wrong kind of party, you can really screw yourself up. It, it, it could break your game, especially cuz also I mean it also just works as I mean it absorbs all those spells as well, right? It also absorbs right. some of the most powerful spells in the game like disintegrate. Right. Um, well, and one of the one of the faces of the cube, other spells it, it can't pass through it. Mm-hmm. Spell effects can't pass through it. So that would be really interesting. Yeah. So what they've been doing is they've been using it as essentially a way to block their retreat. So in um, passages and corridors, which aren't always fifteen feet across, like well, like it's really they're shorter than thirty feet across because it's fifteen foot radius. Um, if something goes poorly, they just hit the maximum level of the cube, all gather in it, and then just slowly back away. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And then just run away and then go through like the little teleporter I set up for them and go home and realize maybe we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> 
that this brings into a whole other uh, uh, brings a whole other question into this, which is like, and maybe we could do this as a separate issue on 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 Raw and Order sometime. But like in those moments where you really want it to feel like life or death, do you risk the TPK or do you give them items like this to to let them get themselves out of jams that are super super close? Um, assuming they have enough charges on the item, I mean that's a huge gamble. Mm-hmm. Or that they remember to use that. Or, yeah. 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 So I mean, I I usually lost. give them all the tools and just throw it, whatever I want then at them. It's kind of nice because then it's like, well, it's really on them because I can just. If you die, it's your fault. Pretty much, <laughs> I can not hold back and then actually try to kill them in a fair way. Now I'm thinking about okay, giving it to us. No, absolutely not. <laughs> At least not for another 10 levels. But what if you cast Mage Hand and the Mage Hand pressed the cube? Does it have to be a person? I mean, can the Mage Hand, does that it can use your attunement? Stuff. Like, can it, can a Mage Hand wield your so attuned weapon this, or anything no, like this that? Because this requires require... attunement, doesn't no, it? No, it, it, it does. It does. It does, but it says for, it says yeah. Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. Roll 20. But... So only the person who's attuned to it can press it. Yeah. I see. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Well, see, Andrew, now you have to, ooh, this could be an interesting uh, mechanic in battle. Throw a really high level creature at them that can break their attunement to a random magical item. That would be so cool. It does become a question, though. What? That is weird. Like. From a phys- it's like it becomes a physics problem if you activate it and you just throw the dang cube, like. Well, but it has to be centered on you, right? So if yeah. you threw it, it wouldn't go anywhere, right? I mean, you it would bounce. Or I guess go- the invisible barrier cube would still stay centered on right. you, but the yeah. cube cube itself, or yeah. like the die, would you go. could throw that. Uh huh. So then, oh, why would to- you do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just to see what would happen, really. Just yeah. to see what would happen. I think from now on, the rest of that campaign should just be situations using that <laughs> using cube of force. Because oh the same conclusion would be if you took it and you threw it at the end of the box, and then you took a ten foot pole and you activated it, would it still then activate? It should still center on you, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Well, I have some reading to do because I have never heard of this item, and clearly I need to do more. It's a digging. it's a great give item. It, it is game breaking, though. <laughs> I'm too scared to give it to you. I'll give you something else. <laughs> Wand of smiles. <laughs> Wand of smiles. <laughs> yeah, this this is very much their uh, oh, oh shit button, and mm-hmm. lets them allows them to run away. So, Andrew, what did you say? What would what would I guess? Should we do our final rulings in this? So, Andrew, what is your final ruling? I, I, I mean, based on how I played it out, I think I would still go that way. And in fact, your opinions, I think, really solidify my perspective. Of all you have to do is just move the person in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. All right. Ooh, unanimous chord for our first episode of season two. (laughs) Oh, honey. Okay. Um, Now it's time for chamber chat. Chamber chat. Chamber chat. Andrew, take off that musty old robe. (laughs) Because it's time. Put away your wig. 
Put put away that powdered wig. Fold up your which one? <laughs> Anna, you just made a motion like taking off an afro, which I love. <laughs> just imagining a judge like not wearing a powdered robe, but like just an afro, just an just, afro wig. Like what? There's no rules against but this. But a powdered either. white yeah. afro. Wig. I'm picturing. <laughs> I'm picturing the Supreme Court, yeah. and one of them just looks like <laughs> Diana Ross style, yeah. huge, ha- and it's amazing. And the one next to them just has like a huge beehive, and just has to just <laughs> lift it up and off. I listen. And the one next to them has that turban with the fruit on it. Yeah, I think people, I think people would watch court more often. <laughs> turban. Uh. Or be more willing to show up to court. Yeah. You know, the judges. yeah. Silly, <laughs> silly. Everyone knows. Silly, silly wigs increase civic engagement. Yeah. Everyone knows. You should, everyone knows. You should start manufacturing those and selling them on your store. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, head to www. No. <laughs> um, okay. Well, time for chamber chat. Now we have some discussion topics. Our first discussion topic. How... Do DMs or how should DMs handle DM burnout and a lack of motivation or inspiration? Okay, I submitted this question because let's face it, sometimes I get this. I admittedly have a session tomorrow that like I really haven't done a lot of prep for. I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, I think I'll add in this. And oh, that's interesting. But I haven't like sat down to do any of it yet. And I probably will save it till tomorrow morning because. I personally just work really well under pressure, mm-hmm. but that is not great for a DM because there's so many things you have to prepare that waiting to the last minute can kind of be like stressful. And I think as a result, it kind of makes me f- have this like lack of motivation feeling to like do anything until the very last minute. Um, and I'm really struggling with like, okay, how do I keep myself energized? How do I, keep you know keep going in when i'm feeling like so you know so i mean i guess to reverse a little bit like joe when you talk about uh dm burnout Mm-hmm. Kind of, what does that look like for you? Like, I just are... realized, Andrew, you're a psychologist. I know, this I'm is just, just therapy. Saying that. Andrew is just giving me <laughs> counseling right now, and I love it. Like when just you kidding. said the word burnout, I think I literally saw like lights flickering <laughs> in the background of Andrew's screen. Like, in my in my head, I heard a trigger word. Yeah, in my head, immediately the psychologist goes, "Well, how do we operationalize burnout?" <laughs> How do, how do we write a WebMD uh, five signs that you might be burned out and five solutions? Five signs your DM is burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I think it, it, it appears everywhere. I think it might be helpful for, like, even people who are listening or even DMs. I think because sometimes, at least in my experience, too, is like, oh, maybe it's because, like, I'm avoiding things because I'm getting a little burnout or um, that it might be helpful to actually point out signs. Like, I mean, for you, Joe, I know you've like struggled with this sometimes. Like, what has it been like for you? Like when you're like, oh yeah, I'm probably starting to get burned out on this. Right. And for me, it's, it's, and I've done this and both of you have, you know, been in my campaign at the time when I did it, but like some, like, especially when COVID started, I was like, I need to take a break time out. And like, I literally took a few like months off because I was like, I am not, able to give an online experience the way I was able to DM in person. And that gave me such anxiety. Hmm. Um, And so I had to literally take a step back, stop for a few months, get myself to a place where mentally I felt better and then jump back on track. But burnout, I, I feel like is almost different. It's like, it's this feeling of just like, 
I, you, like, I, for me, it's like, I feel like all of my creativity is exhausted. I feel like all of my neat ideas aren't really that interesting and I'm just stealing from other people and my players are going to know. And I think it's like that, that is always in the back of my mind. Like I'm not giving the best experience I could be giving and this is going to be boring. And this in game, the second I see one of my players start to show disinterest, I'm like, Oh God. Oh no. Uh, 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 and then it's just sort of like but you know i can't control that and i do it as a player so who the fuck am i to like demand that my players always be attentive they, they can't be that's unrealistic so i just have to like manage that expectation but i feel like being where we are with like quarantine and and like go ahead potentially heading back into it full scale uh, you know, like I focus much more if I can go to a coffee shop, I can go somewhere, I can like be in the presence of other people and motivate myself. Whereas at home, I'm just like by myself. So uh, I need to like get out there and going out and like putting myself in an environment where I can really like foster that creativity. I mean, I think that's a really good point and I think a really good solution. I mean, that's been my experience too, just like making sure that you feel comfortable, kind of whatever your method or whatever your procedure is to kind of get in that headspace is is work um and to actually like make sure that you have all the things that you need because i agree with you like i think trying to force yourself for any creative process like trying to force yourself to be creative you can kind of do it but it can be really hard um especially for something like us like we're not doing it professionally uh, well, not yet, at least, <laughs> Joe. That's the dream. <laughs> no, please. I don't think. I, I think I've given up the dream of ever being a, like a professional DM because I don't. I just don't think I could do it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just I think um, being open and honest with kind of that experience too of like recognizing like uh, for me, it's when I feel when I'm feeling really creative, I feel like I'm building something, and when I start kind of moving into the area of burnout, I feel like I'm just filling a hole. Um, as opposed yeah. to building, I'm just like, I'm just doing it to like get to the next thing and we'll see. Um, but but yeah. it even, it's, it's funny how it can, it can actually like sometimes lead to good things. Like Anna, that session we just talked about in the intro where your character married an NPC and it was this amazing moment. Like a lot of that session, like obviously you told me ahead of, in ahead of a time, I want this to happen. I'm like, great. I can definitely do that. All the rest of that, like with the whole thing with the no, I came up with really last minute and I thought that you guys really enjoyed it. And yeah, I mean, it was uh, a fantastic session. I had a great time. So, and, and I like, and, and maybe it's like looking at my, my own self and being confident in my ability to think sort of off the top of my head. And, and maybe that's just more of my style and that's okay. And like, not every session is going to be this like crazy planned out. Okay. It's going to be like from point A to point B, this session is going to be just wherever we're, we're going to go wherever we want. I think part of the reason why I also feeling a little burnt out is because both of my campaigns are currently on like treks from point A to point B on a map. And that is a very like tiring thing as a DM to come up with like, you know, monster of the day type things that you encounter. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm using a lot of things from the one campaign and using it in the other campaign and doing a lot of like back and forth that my players don't know about. Um, uh, to just to try and like keep it interesting and um, but yeah it can really sort of like take its toll on on like your creative you know 
ideas. So. Well, I'll say it's it's really interesting to hear about this from you, Joe, because I know that we have spoken in the past about how like completely time consuming it can be a DM if you don't have the the passion for it. If you like don't get excited about it, it can seem really tedious, and that affects not just you, but it affects the campaign and and how the PCs feel about that campaign as well. Um, I can tell you as your player, I have never once been disappointed <laughs> in one of your sessions ever. Well, well, thank and you. if if we've ever been distracted, it's probably just because it's like a three hour long thing, right? Or more. And occasionally <laughs> we'll like look at our phone or something. Um, but I, I 100% understand how that kind of action immediately turns into a self-reflection of, is this my fault? Is this something I'm doing wrong? I don't have that experience in the DM world. I have it in literally every <laughs> other aspect of my life. So as somebody who struggles with high anxiety, burnout, imposter syndrome constantly. <laughs> oh my God. I understand where you're coming from. I'll just use this time to tell you you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, wow. Well, you're thank you. an amazing DM. You've oh, my built, God. Okay. Don't you've stop, created stop, a wonderful world. I know. I, it's so hard to hear compliments. <laughs> ah, no, but I didn't. I guess, you know, I know I absolutely and I completely appreciate that. But like, I think the imposter syndrome thing, too, like, yeah, like I feel I'm a changeling, bitch. I'm I am not who I say I am, right? Because like you think like no, oh this my is God. just Joe all the time. Whenever you interact with him, when you have pizza with him, he is just like this. Someone else now. Yeah, no, no, but but it's like getting it, it. It can really like get in your head like that, Andrew. I'm curious to know: Have you ever had this burnout feeling, and how have you coped with it? It's it's interesting. I think one of the things that's helpful to remind myself is that my experience is not my player's experience. Mm -hmm. um, when I feel under-prepped, when I feel like, oh, I'm just not feeling it or I'm not into this, like, my players are having a game. They're enjoying whatever I'm giving them. Right. They're kind of, like, playing in the world that we've set up and all of that. Um, one session doesn't define an entire world or doesn't define an entire campaign. Like, you've done all this work up to this point as a DM to build the entire world. So that way your players can go, well, we want to go to that town where we talk to that gnome. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and the uh, funny thing is like... I feel really judged as a player right now. <laughs> <laughs> but players. I will say, Joe, I don't know why why it would bother you to use the things from... Like to cross campaign things. Oh, no, it um, doesn't. Because, I, totally, yeah, we, I definitely yeah. don't know what's going on in your other campaign. Yeah. And uh, your Monsters of the Week have always been great for us. So... <laughs> Um, but I will say, like, in, in other aspects of my life, whenever I felt the symptoms of burnout, honestly, taking a break has been yeah. very, very helpful yeah. to me. So I know that you've utilized that in the past. Where at the beginning of the pandemic, you were like, we got to put a pause on this. Mm -hmm. And I know you always take on so much on your plate <laughs> that, you know, if that's something It's ironic that we're talking happen, about this, right? Because literally in the beginning, I was like, I just started two new campaigns. <laughs> and it's like, I'm ridiculous. But... Um, I just get so excited about, about all of the aspects of it. I think for me, part of the issue is that I'm also like a perfectionist. So if, mm -hmm. if every mini isn't painted, I feel like I'm a failure. And it's like, obviously that's so like black and white thinking, like totally irrational. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I want to always give the best experience I can. And I definitely think 
you know, advice for DMs out there, take a break if you need it. Absolutely take a break because the last thing your players want is for you to feel unhappy or stressed right. while they're having fun. And that's not like, and it's funny that this whole thing is funny because I always over plan always. Every DM does. You plan three things to happen in a session and you go in thinking, oh my God, this is not enough. And you, you get out of the session and they've done one and a half things. And you're like, how the hell did that take four hours? And you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> because there's five or six people and they're all role playing and this is a game. And so that's the other thing too. You don't have to have like a million things planned. Have a few things planned that or one thing that's like detailed and fun and then just like make up the rest off yeah. the top of your head. Do it. Andrew, you famously, famously, not famously, <laughs> I mean, you, 30 people <laughs> <laughs> you did a, uh, an entire session, at least one, two years ago when, mm-hmm. when you did this, um, where you did it completely off the top of your head. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a challenge to myself. Yeah, it was a challenge to myself because I am one of those people who also over prep a lot. Um, and I wanted to see what the player experience was like if I literally planned nothing. The players showed up and we just started there. Um, there were one or two moments where like, hold on, we need to take a break because I have to look up a monster because I have no idea what your big, bad, evil uh, monster is going to be. And I had to like sort that out and then kind of sketch out in my head a little bit of the inside of the manner that they're going to fight in. But it was right before all of that happened. It was, it was a fascinating experience for me because it was incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable. But then talking to my players, they're like, yeah, we're used to you being a very sort of tight DM, very well sort of rehearsed and everything's really quick. But really, like, if you told us that you hadn't done it, like, we wouldn't have really thought. Or if we didn't really know you, like, this seems like a normal game. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, so that contrast in my head, I was like, huh, uh, what I think really has almost no bearing on what the players actually experience in some ways <laughs> or how I feel about it. Um, I would... I mean, maybe one of the things is I would maybe challenge some of your listeners to try that. Either do a very, try a very, very light prep or almost a no prep session and just try as an experiment and see what your players think. If your players think it was horrible, then you've learned a lot about kind of how, (laughs) (laughs) how, how difficult or how challenging you can sometimes find improv. And maybe that's a skill to actually learn and kind of practice a little bit more. But more often than not, probably your players are going to be like, yeah, no, that was still a lot of fun. Um, it starts making you question like, well, why did I spend 13 hours <laughs> prepping for every session? <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, taking breaks. Like, I mean, I run a West Marches campaign. We're still playing twice a week. Oh my so we've played my goodness. A, about a year now. So we've roughly played about, on average, about 100 sessions. Oh, my God. And Wow. I mean, there were there were a couple weeks where I said, okay, just like I'm on vacation for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to take a break. I need to kind of gather my thoughts. I need to kind of take care of some life things and come back. And it worked out really well. Like I, um, it still for some reason. I think part of it too is just having great players. Have pick players that you really love playing with. Yeah. Um, that really will negate a lot of concerns about uh, burnout. At least it has for me. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I've had struggles just getting going. We've talked a lot about me DMing my own campaign. Mm -hmm. And I have 
try to start building it this summer. I, I was actually planning on doing it this summer. And I told Joe, I was like, I get so in my own head yeah. that I probably built and threw out like three different worlds. Cause oh I was God. like, I'm going to hate, they're going to hate this. This is going to be terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. And I just like that. The anxiety for me was so high about disappointing them about cause I don't want to disappoint the brand new players that I want to play in my campaign because I don't want them to think, oh, I hate D&D because mm -hmm. this game was bad. And then I don't want to disappoint the experienced players. And I'm going to be constantly in my head being like, they're comparing me to every other DM they've had and every other DM they've had is going to be better than I am. And so I've just like thrown out so much no. of what I built. Because I get in my head so, so and much about I this. I think you so. could. It's so funny because I think you, more so than most people I know and play with, could could easily like do an off the top of your head session. And it would probably be so much fun. Um, and so I highly encourage you to think about it. But obviously... I, I, I getting started is we could do a whole well we should yeah. do a whole raw school yeah we will that. we'll the do whole, a raw school thing on that yeah. so that i, I mean, can learn <laughs> gen, genuinely and like the hardest the hardest most difficult most uncomfortable session is is your first like that was that's how it was for me it was like i don't know what i'm doing this is terrible <laughs> and then after that every single session is after it's better than that yeah well now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're talking about the DM, DM self-care. But what about checking in with your players? Why is it important to check in with your players? And how can you do that effectively? And Anna, you had some some insights on this and, and why you wanted to talk about it. Yes, I did. So I my two long-running campaigns, Joe is one of my DMs. Clint is our other DM. And both of them are fantastic DMs, right? They've always been really good about having conversations with the players, even before they start the um, the campaign. They've always been really good about making sure they check in with the players. Are we having a good time? Are we enjoying what we're doing right now? Are we enjoying the path that the campaign is taking? Recently, Clint did this, um, and I was just very impressed by him because he checked in with all of us to make sure that not only were we enjoying the current adventure that we were in the middle of, that we'd been, we have been in this, you know, part of the adventure for a while now. And so I think he kind of understood that uh, under certain circumstances, some of us might, you know, want to move on, want to kind of finish, wrap up this adventure and move on to the next one. And he wanted to check in to see how we were feeling about it. And then he also was like, here's my vision for where this campaign is going past this adventure. How do you all feel about that? I'm looking for input to make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page about that. And then the third thing that he did was before our last session, he messaged me to ask me if I would be okay with him doing an Indian accent for one of his characters. And I just want to say just like a shout out to Clint. I'm so, so impressed with how fantastic of a DM he has been because I so appreciate all of those things that he has done. I mean, it has really changed my perception of like what makes a great DM being, being able to see both Joe and Clint have so much respect for the players at their table. So I just thought, you know, I would ask you guys, what what kind of drives you to check in with your players? How often are you doing that? Under what circumstances are you guys doing that? Because uh, I was just really appreciative of Clint doing that. Andrew, do you have any any ideas or thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I have lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> I mean, kind of given the current campaign that I'm running um, and kind of the style, I probably, I would want to say, it's interesting because it's all virtual, it's all Discord. Um, I want to say I probably throw out a survey at least every quarter or so of like, I have a little survey with like emojis of like, and especially in the beginning, <laughs> um, very much in the beginning where like I was really concerned because, you know, balancing 10 players interests and kind of their balance of combat and exploration and RP can be really tricky. Um, and so one of the things that I would every so often throw out is just, you know, how do you feel about the balance, like about combat or how do you feel about RP? Like, do you want more or less the same? Um, and then also just having individual conversations with players who uh, want to like do certain things. They know that they can always come to me and say, can my character do this? I want to explore this part of their backstory. I'm like, absolutely. How do we do that? Like, tell me about that. What do, what do you think that's going to look like? And start planning adventure from there. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, yes, to all that. Um, I, I, I love when my players come to me like, like Anna did with the wedding scene. Um, uh, like I love when they come to me with an idea and I'm like, yes, thank you. You've done the work for me. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to have this interaction with your family? Great. Done. I don't have to think about something unique. You've just thought of it for me and I can just build on that. I love that. Um, you know, and I think like checking with your players, it's like, it's so important to know your players as friends and not just as like these random people you play games with. And I think there's a true difference between like a DM or, or a D and D group that is like a tight knit group of, of people who become friends versus like just like a pickup group. Um, and uh, knowing when you're seeing in them that they're not, they're not themselves. Right. And it can be in or out of game that's going to, you know, something's going on with that person in their life. Right. And it's okay to let that person miss a session to let that, you know, and of course I let my players miss sessions, but to let, to, I mean, it sounded like, no, just you that once, they get one. I'm going to need a doctor's note. Uh, you're out. You didn't um, post on the website. Um, no, but like, like to let them just like, let me know. Like it's all the things that all my my law professors told me in law school, it was like, if you feel like you're going to be shit in class today, don't come or tell me beforehand and I won't call on you. And it's like, great, do the same thing as a player. Um, but, but that really puts the onus on you as the DM to let them know that, right. To put it out there and say, Hey, um, you know, I'm a resource. I want to be here for you. And I've had a number of players that, um, you know, I, with individual things, I've wanted to check in with them and say, you know, how are you doing? Right. Just both as a friend and a DM, but in, in a, in a less, you know, personal touch when it comes to checking in about the campaign, I will send out these messages um, to the group over discord every once in a while and say, Hey everyone, I really want feedback. Give me feedback. I really want feedback. Um, and it's just because I want to know, like, are people having fun? Are people enjoying where we're going? Um, like, like, are you getting everything you want out of this? Because my campaigns are a little bit more, I don't want to say railroaded, but you're certainly on tracks to get from to a certain point. And like, there's a lot of things that can happen in between, but like there's an arc here. Right. And if you choose not to follow that arc, like, well, the whole story, I mean, the world's going to force you to follow that arc because it's going to bring you to that point. Um, but uh, I definitely want to make sure that getting from point A to point B is as much of 
uh, a a fun experience for my players as it can be. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think, I hope your listeners and anyone who, uh, who plays really does kind of take that to heart. Cause I mean, if you're at the end of the day, we're playing a game that's very important to many of us, um, that we all really enjoy and that we get involved and we get to be part of ourselves. And if you don't give a crap about the people that you're playing with, like, you probably need to start thinking about like, well, is this really like a game or a campaign that I want to be part of? There's nothing wrong with that, but maybe you should check in and say like, well, maybe I should join a different campaign or maybe this campaign is just not for me. Um, that's something that's really important to think about. Like I have a bunch of players in my campaign. Uh, a couple of them had draw- had not um, set up a couple adventures. And so I was like genuinely worried, like given times that we live in. And so I would just send them messages individually. Like, hey, you know what? Like, I know you're probably busy, like school starting up and all that. But just wanted to check in and make sure that you're doing all right. And just so you know, like whenever you're free again, like we're here. And, you know, let me know what you want to do with your character and what adventure you want to go on. And we'll just go from there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I've always appreciated how... Uh, comfortable I felt being able to like go to my DM with things whether it's an idea of where I want my what my character to do whether it's you know oh I'm really liking this arc or I would feel uncomfortable if we did x y and z something like that I've always felt like I could go talk to them about that and that they would respect that so I I just think that it really heightens uh, my willingness to to play longer in like a long-term campaign and play with those people again so Hmm. I mean, Anna, for you, like, what would be something that you would want to hear? Like, what are some magic words that you would want to hear from a DM? Like, say you joined a new campaign uh, about, like, w- that would make you feel comfortable or that would kind of signal to you that be, like, really good that it's okay to open up or kind of talk to your DM about stuff. Uh, I mean, I think both Clint and Joe have, have done this where more than once they have said, if something comes up, please, please come talk to me. Like just saying that sentence alone, that's not something I think about when you're playing a game, mm-hmm. you know, because like at the end of the day, this is just supposed to be like a hobby you do for fun. And you're not thinking about this as like some serious major part of your life. It is for for us, I think. Um, but just them saying like, feel free to come to me with anything. Like, if you have an idea or if you have a question or if you have something that's making you uncomfortable or think will make you uncomfortable, if you're unhappy with something that's going on in game, anytime you want, come and talk to me about it. Just hearing that makes me feel so much better about playing in that game. So, yeah. Oh. This was such a great. I love opener. It was just so good. (laughs) I love you. I love having you on the show. Um, You're such, you have so much insight. And not just because you're a psychologist. Um, it doesn't hurt. A but... genuinely insightful and wonderful person. And your players are so lucky to have you. Um, and we are so lucky to have you as our first guest. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased and very flattered to be able to sort of kick off your new season. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see where this continues to go and grow. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks to our listeners. Welcome back to season two. We've got an exciting season planned. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Andrew, for a wonderful episode. Always great being on here. Always great seeing all both of you. So, Court is adjourned.
Ouch. Ouch.